Now, more tips with your host, Rebecca Rogers. Remember that in our program, we present our opinion and the opinion of our guest, and is not to be interpreted as medical advice. Thank you for joining us here on Lifestyle Improvement for part two of our interview with Stephanie Lord. Miss Lord is a retired teacher who has worked with children with autism and adults with dementia. She is the co-author of the book, Planning to Learn, which was published in 2007, where she shares tried and tested techniques for creating and using a personal planner to help individuals on the autism spectrum to develop independence. And the book, Transition or Transformation, Helping Young People with Their Journey Towards Their Adult Lives, which was published in 2010. This book also covers information on autism, aromatherapy, and aroma touch, which is another field of expertise for Miss Lord. Both of these books were published by Jessica Kingsley Publisher and can be purchased at www.jkp.com. And now, here is our guest and our host, Rebecca Rogers. I know that you're a specialist in aromatherapy, and I think, like you said, all of this connects to each other because as we become more aware of ourselves as caregivers, we have to take the time, like you said, to do personal work. And sometimes that includes becoming aware of those things that um, make our our days a little bit more difficult because we're not dealing with it quite well, and utilizing strategies outside of us to help our senses be able to integrate a little bit better the information that's coming at us. And that's where aromatherapy would be a fantastic thing to keep in mind. So talk to us a little bit more about that. Okay, well, the, it, the, the uh, program that I developed over the years, and, and I'm not quite sure whether I told you that that's now going to be a book next year. So Oh, love. fantastic. Here we are. We're ahead <laughs> of the game. <laughs> round to writing all this down. Um, so uh-huh. as part of the, the process working with children, when we would, were looking at strategies for calming down, there were a group of children who we would describe being at the severe end of the autistic spectrum, um, who found life challenging and who found verbal interaction challenging. So I was working in the domain of using movement, working in the domain of using some simple drama games and some yoga games. And this seemed to be part of the process that that was missing. And this was children's comfort zone about being touched and having people near them. But I know from child development that actually touching is so important to human development. And if we look at all the research, we understand that the developmental profile for children who are not receiving nurturing touch is is very negative. Um, And we see that in places like Romania where, you know, young people, well, they're not so young now, but the young people that were brought up in those institutions, their developmental delay is quite severe. So I was looking at how we could legitimize touch in the curriculum. And of course, um, you know, professionals who are concerned with safeguarding children would not understand that touch was was a significant um, sensory part of the process. And I also observed that in interactions with mothers and their typically developing babies, they would be holding them. So we would have touch, the looking and the listening would be going on, the baby would be listening, but there was an awful lot of smelling. 
you know, this young baby was looking and smelling. And I was thinking, well, actually, we don't have very many smelling experiences in the curriculum. So I linked the touch and the aroma together to create aroma touch. So they are two areas that we feel less comfortable about. We do lots of sound work with children. We do lots of drama work with children. We do movement work with children, but we don't have a safe way of saying, let's do touch game experience that are safe. So Aroma Touch creates that safe environment to say, we've thought about what we're doing. We've, you know, illustrated what we're doing and people can observe and see this is safe for children. Did this thought come as a result of that experience? Did you create the concept of Aroma Touch? It came as a result of working with this group of uh, children with very profound learning difficulties, you know, at the severe end of the spectrum. So I was using my movement and my yoga But it, it wasn't right. It, it wasn't giving the children that sense of self that was missing. And when I looked at child development and I observed the interaction of, you know, mothers and young children, this touching interaction is so important and it gives children that sense of self when we get our self-image, our self-concept, our self-belief from our early touch experiences So that led me to go and train as an aromatherapist because I was thinking I have to find some way of legitimizing this in the curriculum. And obviously being a qualified professional gives that legitimate status to being able to work with children. So it started from there. It started from this kind of observation and wanting to, to work in a more profound way with children at the beginning of the development of self. You are then the creator of Aroma Touch. Yes, yes. Aroma Touch is becoming very popular. The, the difficulty is, Rebecca, I think there are lots of aromatherapists who are using Aroma Touch um, and developing Aroma Touch. So I wouldn't want to claim that all the material that is being used everywhere solely came from what we originally created here. And I think that's important of... of so that's the importance of me now committing all of those ideas to paper so that we can share with other professionals what is it we're doing that we find is working. This is really exciting. It's very exciting because the power of this modality or, or technique is huge. And I know you have a lot of information on this. I want you to take the time to just expand on your knowledge and your expertise for our listeners that really could use this information and benefit from it. How does one get started on this concept of essential oils? I think we're, we're going back to look at autism and we're looking at what's our current thinking about autism and two things come to the fore. One is no matter how able or higher functioning a person with autism is, anxiety is, is a common factor. And then when we look at people who are at the more severe end of the spectrum, what we see there is a lot of their behavior and a lot of their failure to engage in communication is because they are in pain. 
So we're looking at children who have reflux problems, you know. So we might make the association with a lot of the chest thumping that goes on, a lot of the hand biting as a response to overcome the pain. So that, that's our premise. So can we look at essential oils to help these two factors? Do essential oils have the properties that help people with calming and relaxing? Yes, I think there's enough evidence to say that there is. And is there enough evidence to say that essential oils will actually help some of these um, uh, uh, manifestations of anxiety like reflux um, and, and some of the harder things like earache and toothache? Yes, there is. So I think we have enough evidence. So the first step is, is as a parent or a carer, is saying, this makes sense to me. And I think that's so important. If it doesn't make sense to you, it's not the strategy to use. You've got to believe that these are beneficial and worthwhile approaches. This is your host, Rebecca. And now we will take a short break and we will be right back with more ideas on lifestyle improvement. As a caregiver, you spend your days caring for the needs of someone else. But what are you doing to help yourself? In our Caregiver Survival 101 workshop, we teach you the self-help skills that will empower you to be healthier and more productive. Do you feel tired, overwhelmed, have difficulty sleeping? Do you feel isolated? All this could be signs of caregiver stress. Chronic stress can impact your health adversely and ultimately cause irreversible and unwanted physical problems. Take a step towards your own personal care. A healthy caregiver is a better caregiver. You owe it to yourself and your loved ones to do what is needed to stay healthy today. Go to www.caregiversurvival101.com. That again is www.caregiversurvival101.com. And discover how we can help you help yourself. Or call 877-957-7387, extension 101. That again is 877-957-7387, extension 101. Caregiver Survival 101. Because care starts with you. So again, it starts with the caregiver. Um, in that, what oils do you resonate with? What oils make sense to you? So I encourage people to make a little pin, a little flower, a wristband, a hair slide, and just drop some essential oils and wear them. And to observe what's the effect. Do they feel calmer? Do they find their breathing better? Do they find that they're more relaxed, that less fraught about issues that are happening in the day. So there's a first stage about finding out about yourself and how you respond to oils. So if we then took that to the second stage is start wearing your essential oils around the, the person with autism that you want to work with and observe their response. So we're not applying any oils. We're not massaging the body. We're setting the environment, and I call it creating the environment. We're going to create the environment for essential oils to work well. So we're finding out what we like. We're finding out how the person with autism responds to us. 
And then we're going to start introducing oils in a more methodical way. Now, we might do that in a spray. We might put some essential oils in a spray. Um, so we just shake the bottle, shake, 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 and say spray, spray, spray. Add our breathe and blow. We don't take a big breath in, small breath, big blow out. And again, breathe and blow. And now we're going to start adding a sound. Mmm, or ah. And that we're introducing that the aroma that we're creating actually makes us feel differently. So we build up slowly, part by part. So that's the first part of introducing aroma touch. We observe, we find out what we like, we create the environment for the child. So we might have a scented cushion, a scented pillow, a scented toy. Um, we might make things to play with. We might put essential oils on tissue paper to blow or paper to blow. Anything that actually starts the dialogue between smelling, our breathing and our touching. I saw that you had in some of your writing, mandarin is a great comfort oil. Any others? Oh, my goodness me. Uh, let me think. Um, what do people like? Um, lavender is a basis because it's a calming oil and it can be used with other oils. I, I forgot to say this, Rebecca, and it's important to say, when we're working with children and when, when we're working with people with special needs, we use what we call a 1% mix. So that is one drop of essential oil in a carrier, like water or um, sunflower oil or a cream. We don't put lots of drops in. As an adult, we tend to have a bit of this and a bit of that. When we're working with children and people with autism, we limit our choice to two oils. So it's one drop to five mils, two drops to 10 mils, and we can build up to a 20 mil mix. So I should have said that at the beginning because that's important. Um, so there's lavender um, for calming. There's eucalyptus for breathing. There's vetiver for grounding. Now, when I've worked with adolescent boys, um, it has a, a quite a, 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 a deep aroma that actually boys like. And one of the uh, points that, I, that I'd make to people who are thinking about using essential oils is let the children and young people choose. And they choose what has synergy with what their needs are, just as we do as adults. That's great information. And I think it's really important to clarify the amounts and just two at a time, because smell is powerful. And like you say, also, and some of your writing it reaches the limbic system, which is the emotional system. You want to talk about that? Okay, well, um, our sense of smell is the only sense that goes directly to our brain, doesn't have to go through our central nervous system. So the smell receptors in our nostrils transfer the, the molecules of odor to the brain, and the brain does the work. The brain makes the emotional response. I, I won't go into the chemical compounds because that's too complicated for a, a program like this. But the research tells us that the chemical compounds in our essential oils work on the enzymes in the brain and the hormones in the brain that then produce the transference to states of calm and relaxation, or if we were choosing alerting oils that actually make us more 
alert and aware of what's going on. Um, so the, the brain is such a powerful tool. The brain does the work. Our job as the practitioners is, is to help the child make the link. So we'll be saying Mandarin is good for comforting, Mandarin is good for calming, uh, eucalyptus is good for breathing, makes you feel calm and relaxed. So we make those links for the child that become part of the emotional um, profile that the child has to draw on. And I think it's important for our listeners to know that as well, because just like you explained that it can be so soothing, when you take a child to the store and maybe they have to walk through the aisle where the detergents are, where they have so many strong smells, there may be a big reaction and an emotional reaction. And now, you know, a caregiver can understand why. Yes, yes, yes. I mean, it, it, that that's interesting because um, a lot of uh, the young people that I've worked with over the years, you see have a very... Um, severe reaction to some of the harsh chemicals that we use in in schools particularly but in our homes and we don't think twice about using you know we use sprays we use whether you have the equivalent of bleach it's a very potent smell horrible horrible and we use these horrible disinfectants um and we see the consequences on children and then we make the jump of saying our children are hypersensitive to, you know, smell. But in fact, the hypersensitivity is to these very strong chemical compounds that we have in these cleaning agents. In essential oils, there are um, chemical components, but they don't have the same effect on the the nose, on the nasal system. Then they're, they're not as, um, what would be the right word for it, I suppose they're not so destructive. You know, you don't have that instant reaction. And when we're introducing essential oils, we're doing it in our 1% mix, which is the safe mix, and we're doing it in, in a very gentle way. So we're, we're wearing the aroma, we're spraying the aroma, we're putting aroma on artifacts. So we're building up what we call a graded response to, to responding. And then we're linking the response with mantras in the sense of, I can see you're calm, you're calming. I can see you're breathing, breathing helps you calm. I can see you're relaxing, you know, Mandarin helps you relax or lavender. We're having to put that framework around the child. And gradually over time works the same for us. I need my lavender. I've had a bad day. Let me get some lavender, you know. (laughs) I can use my lavender all the time. (laughs) But it's so important to really emphasize this because you talk about how graded response, the graded introduction of the smells, one, two smells, because the power of the power that it has in the brain and behavior. So important to remember that when you take your child to the store and if he is not or she is not able to already make sense of some of the sensory information that is coming at them and they are exposed to those very strong and very toxic smells and they react because they cannot communicate how unpleasant the smell is, it's important for caregivers to be aware of those type of things. And also to know that we can we can replace a toxic aroma with a positive aroma. So we can carry a toy that has a positive aroma. We can wear a pin. We can have a bangle, you know, so we can actually 
you know, inhale our positive aroma that makes us feel calmer to override and mask the, the negative smell. That's perfectly possible. And we've, we've had some successful outcomes with parents with young children introducing that sort of um, strategy. That's a perfect coping skill because they're going to go out there and the, the thing that you hear is, well, that's the real world. You have to go out there and deal with it. And it's true. But that is a perfect coping skill to be prepared to deal with some of those um, insults to your smelling system. Yeah. <laughs> All factory you know, I, do, I do that myself when I'm traveling on the, yes. the underground in London because it's so congested. You know, I I will wear some of my aroma on my lapel, you know, on a little soft pin, little fabric pin. So when I'm standing on the platform, you know, I can hail what is nurturing for me rather than, you know, the diesel fumes of the engines or whatever there is around. So you also talk about creative playing. You want to tell us a little bit more about that? So we will use um, essential oils on material and play uh, wafting games with children. So simple, the up and down games. So staff are very familiar with using parachutes for playing and we can put essential oils on those. So in fact, we're inhaling the aroma um, in the games playing. Um, We can make sensory mats that have things for to touch with aroma added and that enhances, you know, the the bases of our senses that we're now smelling as well as touching. And I think that the next part of that creative play is when we go on to create stories for children. So what we call story massage. So when we're um, working with uh, children, we will have done, before we start massage, we will have done some work where we're getting the children to self-touch. So we'll do lots of patting, Um, And patting leads on to softer or harder, so children get used to regulating touch. We'll do stroking. Can you rub it? Can you stroke it? Can you smooth it? That leads on to uh, can we touch slow? Can we touch faster? Can we touch harder? Can we touch softer? So we're, we're shaping how children will understand and receive touch then um, we will take something that the child is interested in, um, a a particular interest, it might be a dinosaur picture, it might be a train picture, it might be a flower picture, and build up the language of massage around that picture. So the dinosaur has long toes, so we would uh, imitate the long stroking. And then I can transfer that to the child's arm by saying, can I do those long strokes on your arm or can I do those long strokes on your back? So we start building up the picture of what's going on. Um, So let's say we had a birthday cake or a picture of a birthday cake. We can do the movements for the mixing and the creaming together and the rubbing in. And then I can invite the child to say, can I tell this story on your back? Can I tell this story on your hand? Can I tell it on your arm? So we transfer the movements and the actions to a massage story on the back. And that's when the magic occurs. Because when we touch our body, when our bodies start to receive nurturing touch, the 
processes of the sensory system start to relax. So those children who are hypersensitive, the body starts to calm, the brain starts to give information about breathing and relaxing, and we're remembering our breathe and blow, and we're modeling as staff our breathe and blow. So we're creating a relaxing environment for the child to receive nurturing touch. So that's what I what I call the creative play approach to, to massage. It isn't as formal as having a well-being clinic where you invite a child to come and you do a more formal hand massage or back massage. That, that is part of the aroma touch strategy, but we're, we're doing it as storytelling, storytelling mode. Remember that in our program, we present our opinion and the opinion of our guest, and it's not to be interpreted as medical advice. What if there was a way to help your struggling child perform better academically? Would you pick up the phone and call? Lysol Improvement Occupational Therapy Services in Puyallup, Washington, supports wellness and optimal educational performance. Instead of just reteaching information, we endeavor to identify the possible root causes for your child's learning difficulties. We offer targeted testing to assist in the creation of an individualized plan and provide you with the brain training tools that can help improve academic performance. Visit our website at www.lifestyleimprovement.com or give us a call today at 877-957-7387, extension 101. That again is 877-957-7387, extension 101, for an initial free phone consultation. Lifestyle Improvement Occupational Therapy. We're ready to partner with parents and to help your child succeed. Thank you for joining us here on Lifestyle Improvement for part two of our interview with Stephanie Lord. Miss Lord is a retired teacher who has worked with children with autism and adults with dementia. She is the co-author of the book, Planning to Learn, which was published in 2007, where she shares tried and tested techniques for creating and using a personal planner to help individuals on the autism spectrum to develop independence, and the book, Transition or Transformation, Helping Young People with Their Journey Towards Their Adult Lives, which was published in 2010. This book also covers information on autism, aromatherapy, and aroma touch, which is another field of expertise for Miss Lord. Both of these books were published by Jessica Kingsley Publisher and can be purchased at www.jkp.com. And don't forget to join us again next Sunday morning at 7.30 for part three of our interview with Stephanie Lord. <laughs>